Welcome leaders, aspiring leaders, equity warriors, policymakers, educators, and barrier breakers. This is the Leaders Building Leaders podcast with me, Dr. Paul Coakley, Superintendent of Multnomah Education Service District. We are a podcast that's dedicated to elevating voices, empowering others, speaking our truth, rethinking systems, and giving people their flowers. Today, I'm joined by a really special guest, Superintendent Sam Breyer. Sam's been in the educational leadership game for more than three decades. He believes that effective universal public education is our path to building a more just world. In his early years, Sam served as a United States Marine. He managed a small business and he was a performance auditor for the Oregon State Secretary. When he volunteered in a first grade classroom, he knew that that was the path to making a difference. At age 24, he returned to Willamette University and earned his master's degree in teaching. Since then, Sam served as an elementary teacher, school principal, and an assessment and school improvement specialist. He's had the privilege of serving as superintendent of three districts, most recently Multnomah Education Service District, a service agency that provides services for more than 100,000 students. Now Sam provides coaching and mentoring for educational leaders across the region. For the critical work they do, he's helping them improve student learning and outcomes and challenges that are faced in public education. Throughout his career, Sam has balanced his obsessive work drive with his hobby of long-distance biking, including biking twice from his home in Portland to the Golden Gate Bridge in California. Someday, he hopes to ride his bike coast to coast. Please welcome Sam Breyer. Sam, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, first, I just want to um, kind of get the uh, listeners to know a little bit more about you and your background and pathway to education. All right, great. Thanks, Paul. It's wonderful to be here. I am honored and appreciate the invite and thrilled to talk about it. Great. Thank you. Um, so what um, you said that when you um, visited a first grade classroom, uh, that's what kind of inspired you to K-12. And how did you... Um, go from there to superintendent? What was that pathway like for you? Yeah, I was thinking even as you were reading the bio and talking about that, you know, I've always been resistant to the concept of bios. And I, I was thinking a lot of that is just because I don't really like talking about myself. (laughs) But also, I think part of it is it just compresses everything into a path that seems really clean and simple. And it's just not like that, right? Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I volunteered in a first grade classroom. It happened to be my wife's classroom. Um, so I was okay. on a four day work week for the Oregon Secretary of State. And on Fridays, I'd go in and volunteer. Um, and I have always been a huge believer in education. It's changed my life. It's driven my life, my family's life. Uh, but I wasn't sure at that time, you know, as a 24 year old, that there was like an age of kid that I would connect with. Right. right. Like You just wonder. Uh, And then working in that first grade classroom, you know, I just had an instant connection with elementary students and noticed um, just like the huge potential they had there. And so for me, that's when the light came on that one, I could connect with these kids. And two, I really believed, you know, that was a point where we can bend a lot of the curves that we see in public education. Right. 
So that's when I went back and, and did some teaching uh, or did my teaching degree. Uh, and then out of that, I came up and was fortunate to get a, a job in East County here in Multnomah County right. working at a school. Um, and it was one of those schools where the um, population of the school had changed rapidly uh -huh. and the approach of the adults and the concept of the system hadn't changed with the population. And so we were unfortunately one of the very first schools in Oregon to go into needs improvement under no child left behind. Oh, okay. Um, and I had a lot of frustration around that. Um, with, with the law itself, there's problems and challenges we know, but also just a refusal to acknowledge kind of the reality in the areas where we weren't serving students the way that we should. Right. Uh, and so during that time, I just ended up stepping up into a teacher leader position and we got an outside coach who ended up being a little bit of a mentor to me. And, you know, I was working with him and, uh, just started working on school improvement and making changes there. And while I was doing that, it had never really occurred to me that I would step into administration, but I was doing so many things. And, you know, this mentor said, Hey, you're doing these things already. Why don't you at least go get your admin license and you can use it or not. Um, so he talked me into that and that's how I ended up getting my administrative license. Okay. Yeah. My, uh, my experience too was uh, similar to that. I was wondering as I was listening, what made you, um, step into like outside of the classroom and start kind of taking on leadership as a teacher? Or was it like a natural progression or was it just things that you wanted to help fix or? Yeah. I mean, I think there were a couple of things is one, I was fortunate to have some encouragement, but the other is, you know, as I said, I just saw some things that weren't, you know, we weren't serving kids the way that we should be serving. And there were a lot of adult discussions and excuses around that. And okay. I had frustrations both with that and with some leadership in the building and with my colleagues. And I've always been one of those people. Uh, it gets me in trouble apparently sometimes it's how I keep ending up in, in different jobs, but, um, who believes that if, uh, you know, if you're complaining about something, it's also your responsibility to fix it. Right. right. And so in that moment, you know, I decided, uh, that I would stop being one of those teachers that complains and, uh, start fixing it. I also okay. think there was a moment that I really remember. And in the bio, you mentioned my bike rides to California, yeah. you know, and I had like a really deep professional frustration around that time. Like I was unhappy, you know, it was affecting my personal relationships, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the first time I rode my bike from uh, my home up here down to the Golden Gate Bridge in California. And that was a 10 day journey. It was something that I wow. talked with friends about when I was in you know, high school. And so I just decided to do it. I was going to do something that wasn't my job. Right. Right. And I still remember I was sitting in a diner in Redwoods, California. Um, and I was sitting having breakfast and there was like a paper out or something. So I grabbed it and read it. And there's, there's a study in there and it said something, I don't remember the exact percentage. I've quoted this a bunch of times, probably quoted it wrong, but the basic idea was something like 85% of Americans either dislike their boss or, think that they could do that job better, you know? Right. And one of the challenges we were all really having was some frustration with leadership around what we were doing in our school. Mm -hmm. And we'd been griping and that was kind of making me miserable. And that's where I had that moment of, um, you know, most people feel this way. Like, so we're not special. Like, why are we wasting our time griping about <laughs> it? Right. We need to be changing it. Right. And so that combined with my natural drive to kind of step up and uh -huh. this mentor that I acquired is what led me into leadership. Thank you. That's a great story. And um, for mentorship, uh, so you said you had a person that kind of motivated you to get to um, your principalship. 
and you've done a lot with uh, mentorship too. And so um, what are your values and beliefs around uh, coaching and mentorship, especially in the K-12 space? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first one is I think everyone needs mentors, right? Like right. they need people to talk to and lean on. Uh, and I think about that a lot because I was someone who didn't have that naturally, didn't seek it out naturally. Uh, and really for me, I've always kind of felt like it was my responsibility to figure it out. Like if I mess something up, I just work harder until I could figure it out kind of thing. Right. And that was one of the first times where I had someone professionally, uh, and I don't think he was, you know, doing it like intentionally for me. It was just part of his bigger belief about the work. And then we ended up connecting and, and learning more. And so having someone who I can listen to and learn from. And that moment led me to seek it out more and right. just listen. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I'd say before I answer your question even more specifically is one of the things that I really came to believe during that experience. And I've, I've um, mentioned this to lots of people is sometimes when people are working or um, frustrated, uh, you know, working under a bad leader or whatever they, or who they perceive as a bad leader, I should say that too you know, they let that really frustrate them and feel like they can't be successful. And right. I think the most important thing is you can learn from everyone, right? And yeah. sometimes it might be, I see how that leader did that and I'm never right. going to do it that way, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think also as I've done more leadership and worked with more and more leaders, what you learn is no one's intentionally trying to do that. Like no uh -huh. one is intentionally trying to be a bad leader, right? right? Like they're trying things. And I think leaders don't often get the grace they deserve, particularly yeah. when they're learning. And so, you know, I think that's why it's so important. Mm -hmm. So for your actual question around foundational things, you know, I think that everyone, you know, who has stepped up into that leader role has ability and drive to do something to make a difference, right? Yeah. Like you just don't end up in that role. Like you don't really stumble into it. Sometimes it feels like it, but like there's something there that caused you to end up in that role. Right. And so part of it is, you know, in those coaching conversations, just acknowledge what your strengths are. Talk about, um, you know, what you do well, what you may need to learn on, uh, lean on and, and learn more about. And then it's about talking things through, right? right? I think we often look for answers like there's magic stuff out there. And a lot of times it's just like grinding on the situation, figuring out what it is. And that takes someone to talk through and um, really listen to you and offer advice in a way that isn't going to um, tell you what to do because no one really learns if they're told exactly what to do, right. but helps guide you and also acknowledges when we make missteps, right? Like that, that brutal honesty can be helpful sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Um, as a uh, principal, cause you were also, you served as a, a principal, um, a successful principal for quite a long time. And, uh, what are some of the findings and, and, uh, learnings that you had there as if you were just, uh, sharing with, with principals across the region who are listening in and wondering like, Hey, I'm new to this space. And, and what are some uh, things that I could take away from? Yeah. I still remember that first year stepping to that principalship and uh, everything that I learned, you know, the first thing is I loved it instantly more than I thought I would stepping uh -huh. into it. Right. Yeah. So there was a joy there, but there's also challenges. Right. But that whole concept of just having your own school and your own set of students and families that you can connect with and make a difference for that, that real drive. Yeah. But I remember two big learnings I had my first year. Um, and one was, uh, you know, I was fortunate to step into a school that was operating 
pretty well on the management side. It uh-huh. had an experienced principal before. And so I had the privilege of not having to figure out a lot of the little things. So yeah. I was really working on the big things. Like how do we make a big difference of um, academically, right? Right. And I had some really strong teachers, um, strong both instructionally and personality-wise, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so in some ways they walked all over me for, you know, four mm. or five, six months. And that was okay because they were good instructionally. Yeah. But it was also stopping us from moving forward, right? All right. And it was about in January or February of that year, where as a new principal, I finally had the courage to have a hard conversation with a couple of them, okay. right? And like, it just changed like night and day. And yeah. it was one of those things where I think sometimes as a new leader, we think, you know, you need to, uh, you know, try and be friends is the wrong word. Right. But like everything needs right. to be a negotiated conversation. Right. And yeah. I realized these were really strong teachers and what they wanted was a boss, right? Yeah. Like not that, uh, directive tyrannical boss, but someone who would like tell them where the lines were right. and drive and point them in the right direction. Right. Yeah. So that was a big one for me. The second biggest one is, you know, I mentioned before, some of it is about talking about and connecting with people around their leadership strengths. You know, one of my strengths, I feel like, and has been uh, told to me by other people, is I see connections between things and I see um, how things are going and patterns. And so I can drive to a vision, right? And I noticed that. Uh, And I thought I was bringing people along with that. Right. But in the district I was in, we had a practice of principals would present to the board. Right. So this was May of that year. Yeah. So I presented to the board and my staff was supportive. So they came, I had did this presentation. The board responded really well. My staff responded really well. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. And all I was doing was laying out what I thought was the clear vision, the, all the things we were working for. Right. Right. And the next day, more than one teacher came to me and said, Hey, that presentation was great last night. It'd be nice if you told us that's what we were doing. And I thought I'd been doing it the whole time. Right. And so it's that moment that need to communicate and probably over communicate like the vision constantly, like what you're working towards. Yeah. And so those were my two big learnings that I remember from my first year. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, And so I had the uh, pleasure of serving with you under you as uh, your assistant soup and um, when you were superintendent. And one of the things that I always um, appreciated about you was your um, systems approach. And I feel like uh, you're someone who can look at a larger system, uh, figure out like the strengths and the challenges and how to increase strengths and and, uh, work through challenges. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about um, how do you look at systems and what is your uh, mechanism or or what makes you so strong at, at being able to fix and improve systems? Yeah, that's great. I appreciate that question. That also, uh, you know, reinforces what I think I've come to believe about is my personal leadership strength, right? I'm actually interested hearing a little bit more about what you consider your personal leadership strength. I have some thoughts, but um, yeah, I mean, I think some of that is just, it's the way my mind works, right? Like I connect things, right? Mm -hmm. I think you can learn that, but I think also sometimes you don't learn things. It's just how you've been built, right? And so for me, that's really what I see. I see the I see how things are working together and where they're driving. Right. And so what I've tried to do to amplify that and what I try to do when I'm talking and coaching through with people is make sure that we're clear on what we're trying to accomplish because so often we're dealing and reacting to what's right in front of us. Right. And so we're trying to fix it without figuring out how that thing is contributing to where we're trying to go. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, focusing on where you're trying to go and then really just relentlessly thinking about at and asking, like, 
is this thing that's happening now, is that getting us there or do we need to course correct or fix it? Right. right. And then with the people in it, which are not as easy for me or transparent, right? It's I always try and intentionally figure out what that person's motivation is. Because again, I don't believe anyone is trying to bad job, right? Like it's like, what is, why is that person here causing a derailment of the system we're trying to build? Right. And so often it's, they've got a completely different idea in mind of where we're going or they're just behaving in role, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as you mentioned, we work together. So, you know, we were on cabinet together and talking through that, right? right? Like, I always just try and point out to people like when they're struggling with someone and how they're responding, like that's either how they think or that's their role. Like right. people get really frustrated with the the business manager often. Right. <laughs> yep. And I just point out it's their role to their care job. about the money. Right? <laughs> right. It's like their role is to say, no, you can't spend more money. Yeah. And if we need to spend more money, then our job is to figure, is to convince them why. Right? right. Or the boss to step in and say, we're spending it even though you don't see it. Yeah. But understanding that role and the direction we're trying to go, um, both the people and the things that are happening is what I try and do. Thank you. Um, another uh, thing that I was wondering is um, during the pandemic, it was just uh, teacher shortage was on a rise, educator shortage, burnout. Um, and I think that it's, uh, especially when it comes to school leaders and, and principals, um, how do people work through and navigate challenges successfully and also uh, building that culture of resist of resilience within an organization? Wow. That's a, that's a big question, right? A powerful yeah. question, right? I think we all learned a lot during the pandemic and so much of it, particularly early on was just about dealing with people's fears mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out how we we're going to keep things going. Right. And so there were moments in the pandemic um, where a lot of it really was about survival, both literally, but also just about keeping our systems up and running and making sure kids got what they needed, right? right. Or the minimum of what we could give them that they needed, what our society needed, right? And so I was just really impressed stepping up into that, how many people stepped up and did things that were not in their wheelhouse, right? That were figuring it out. On the leadership side, you know, for leaders, you know, who had their own fears for themselves and their family, working through the fears of the staff and the students, right? right? And so that led directly to that educator shortage, right? Like people were scared to be in those like mass human environments, right? Like really understandably. right? Um, and then people I think learned during the pandemic parts of their lives that weren't necessarily aligned, right? Like the amount of time some people to travel to a job and they realize it's nice to be closer to home, right? And yeah. so I think what we've seen is that kind of shift through, um, you know, just through relocations and things. And I hope that's settling down a little bit. Right. I also hope what's shifted is as we've come out of that, and of course, you know, COVID is still going on. So I don't want anyone to, you know, freak out and, and uh, assume that I'm saying COVID is over. But as we start to come out of that intense initial reality, right? We had a couple of years where education wasn't about education and the right. way that it needs to be. Yeah. And I hope, and I think it's the real challenge of leadership right now is, getting back to that, right? Like yeah. getting back to the focus, like we exist to educate students. Like right. all of the other stuff is important, but educating students is why we exist. And that's what we need to focus on. Right. And I do think that focus has slipped and rebuilding that is going to take time and intentionality on, on the part of leaders. Yeah, I agree. What uh, advice do you have for aspiring leaders and uh, new principals and, and uh, people that are just uh, 
in the leadership space or transitioning from classroom to um, building leadership or district leadership? Yeah, I guess I'd say on that, there's, it depends a lot on each individual's context and where they are, right? Like, so like anything, you always meet someone where they are. But I think a really important piece is to know why you're doing it, right? Like, that's the biggest piece. And I've heard you say this too, right? right. Like, um, there are challenges in education leadership, I think now more than ever. And we need people who are committed and driven to doing it. And I want those people to be successful and persist. And so what I really talk about and, and poke at and build resiliency around is why are you doing this? And you need that because in those moments when you're challenged, you need to know what you're working towards, right? right? And so I think that that's a big piece. You know, the other piece I mentioned earlier is you can learn from everyone. And if you take that approach and that thought, you're going to enjoy it all a lot more, right? right? Like that's how I work through those moments of, interpersonal frustration with people, right? Like I'm trying to get something done. This person is freaking out or just did something completely off the wall. That's keeping us from doing it. Right. Um, trying to figure out what's going on with them and then trying to learn from that. Right. And always make the assumption that there's something that I can do that can help the situation or something that I've done that has created the situation. Right. right. Um, and so that's the most effective leaders that I see. And this is what I encourage of all new leaders and those stepping up is recognize your influence mm -hmm. and your responsibility both. Right. And I think, you know, the ones that I worry about are the ones who are blaming everyone else or everything around them for things not going their way. Right. And if you believe that everyone else can do that to you, then you're not going to be effective as a leader. Yeah. Right. And so stepping up into those moments is really important. Right. Um, I'm always interested in uh, what people's whys are, um, what drives them, uh, to show up and, and give 100% in their current roles and, and the spaces that they serve in. Um, what is your why and how has it changed? I know you've gone from uh, teacher to principal, superintendent to executive coaching. Um, and uh, what's your why and has it shifted at all since uh, you started? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm fortunate in that my core why has never really shifted. Some of the pieces around that may have shifted, and I, I'll have to think a little bit more on the specifics of that. But, you know, my core why is, uh, you know, I was I was raised to believe that it's my responsibility to make the world better for people. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents were yeah. uh, 60s Bay Area hippies. Like, that <laughs> was what was instilled in me. Like, the only reason I exist is to make a difference for people, right? <laughs> right. And there were times where I lost or slipped off that, right? But I also, um, you know, was a student of history and so developed a healthy respect and belief for the potential of the United States. Not always the reality, right? But the potential of what our democracy can offer if done right. Uh, and a key component of that is universal public education. Right. And I think sometimes we lose the beauty of what that means, like the core belief. Again, the core potential belief that everyone in the United States should be a well-educated citizen. Right. And if that's true, our democracy works better. I also believe if that's true, we have a more just world. Like yeah. I just believe that if everyone is really educated in thought, uh, you know, they have knowledge of history because right. again, history repeats itself, right? Mm -hmm. And they really understand how to think and interact that we just don't have some of the horrific things that we have, right? And again, we're not there. We're nowhere close to there. We know and acknowledge 
um, the failures of our public education system. And some of that is the failure of the system. Some of that is internal is external attacks on the system, et cetera. But if we could get universal public education, right, I think we'd have a better world. Right. Right. And so that's my core belief. And then I connect that really easily to students. Right. Mm -hmm. So when a student is in front of me, I see that belief and like, that's what drives me. Right. And that's, what's always driven me as a teacher, as a principal, as a superintendent. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And lastly, um, I just wanted to ask, I know that there's a, a real need for coaching and especially for leaders and uh, we're always looking for people who can um, connect with leaders and help them be successful, especially during uh, one of the toughest times in education. Uh, I'm uh, excited that you're here in Multnomah County and that you're working with leaders because I think that um, you're a great person to uh, be able to connect and help leaders improve. And so in that work, what are your hopes as an executive coach um, in working with uh, school leaders and principals across our region? Yeah, I mean, my my core hope is I just want to do everything I can to strengthen educational leadership right now. I think it's a challenging kind of step into it. I think, you know, people are stepping into the jobs right now underprepared, and that's not their fault, right? Like, if you think about trying to learn or step into leadership over the last five years with pandemic and everything else, that's one thing. I also feel like we have been underinvesting in leadership for at least a decade. I mean, I remember the mass layoffs we went through back in 08, 09, right? And then so much of that was at the leadership level that districts and schools just weren't hiring leaders. I mean, I remember when I was working with you, like we, if we had an assistant principal opening, we were getting hundreds of applicants, right? right? And so people just stopped preparing or stepping up into that. And then all of the pressures and the stories, no one wants to step up into those positions. Mm -hmm. But we all know Like, even if you're an effective individual, that effectiveness is multiplied when you work for a great leader, right? And if you're not effective, you can become effective if you work for a great leader, right? And so great leaders are really resource multipliers. Great principals are what we need in our schools, right? right? Great district teams supporting those principals, right? Like great um, policymakers setting good policy and supporting all of that. And we just don't have that right now. Right. We have that in places, but I see, um, I see the pipeline and what's happening, and yeah. I worry about people who are stepping into those jobs without the supports or the experience. Right. And so what I want to do is, is support that and connect that because I want to build the generation of great leaders that are creating great schools that are really helping us lift those uh, students up into success. Right. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate everything you shared. I think there's been a lot of uh, helpful uh, nuggets and key uh, points for leaders to listen to. So I hope people are listening and and going back and uh, taking their notes. And so let's uh, give another round of applause to Superintendent and Educational Leader, Sam Breyer. (laughs) 